Before we start this episode, we have a quick message from our sponsors. If you're studying for the Foreign Service Officer Test like us, we have a great study tool for you. Besides listening to our podcast, we also use FSO Compass. On FSO Compass, you can find practice tests for every section, comprehensive courses that guide you through the entire application process, and you can even connect with other aspiring U.S. diplomats. The resources have really helped us prepare, and we hope they help you too. To access FSO Compass and get 10% off your annual subscription, be sure to use the link in our description box. Good luck! Welcome to another episode of How Did We Not Know That? My name is Nat. My name's Jack. And today, Jack is going to talk to us about another very interesting topic. Yeah. Okay, so today we're talking about the mafia. <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So, to start out, I like to ask, Nat, tell me what you know about the Mafia. Uh, yeah, so I feel like my knowledge of the Mafia is pretty much based on what I've seen in movies. I feel like I hear a lot about the Italian Mafia. Also, like, growing up in Chicago, I hear a lot about Al Capone. But yeah, I feel like it's pretty much just, like, whatever Hollywood has taught me. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, well... Al Capone is a big guy. We're going to talk about him. But there are multiple mafias. There's like the Jewish mafia, the Mexican mafia, the Italian mafia, the Italian-American mafia. So there's a bunch of different types. The Irish mafia, which the head of that, it's weird. There's an Italian, there's an Irish mafia. It was like comprised of Irish men. But then the boss of that mafia was actually Italian. But then he changed his last name to Kelly to sound more Irish. (laughs) So there's lots of different mafias. But the one that is romanticized a lot in films like The Godfather and shows like that. I don't know if Godfather is like a film or a show. Never saw it. But um, <laughs> it's a movie. At least in the, it's a movie? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. So in Hollywood, the romanticized version of the mafia is usually on the Italian-American mafia. And that's what we're primarily going to focus on today. But with the Italian-American mafia, that did... It's actually completely separate from the Italian Mafia, but it also was started from the Italian Mafia. So, gotcha. It like branched off. off. Okay, I guess you. Yeah, it branched off, but then they ended up being kind of separate entities. So that was something that I was finding a lot in my research was that you should. They're not the same thing, so you should completely like separate the two. But one led to the formation of the other, so. To go back, we're going to start with the rise of the Italian Mafia, which began in the 19th century, which is the 1800s, in Sicily, Italy. So, Sicily, do you know where Sicily is? Uh, Is that the boot of Italy? The boot is Italy, but there's like, people call it the rock that the boot is kicking. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, so it's that island in the Mediterranean Sea. And so this wasn't actually ruled by like Italy until later on for a while it was just constantly ruled by foreign invaders so tons of people were trying to take it over as like the phoenicians the romans the french the spanish everyone's trying to have control of sicily so there are frequent violent and chaotic conditions on the island so what happened was residents of the island started to take like safety into their own hands 
and they form these small clans or groups that would just protect themselves. And so at first, like the purpose of the mafia wasn't organized crime, but it was just like citizens taking protections into their own hands. Yeah. So uh, then they developed their own system for justice and they started to offer their protections for money from other landowners on Sicily. Mm -hmm. Eventually, they started to gain more local power and influence when, after, like, in 1861, Sicily becomes a province of unified Italy, and they still just take justice into their own hands because the Italian government is still not very organized at that time. So, actually, the Italian government and also the Catholic Church will turn to these smaller clans and groups that start to become known as the Mafia wow. to help them enforce, yeah, enforce certain rules on different areas of Sicily. So even the Catholic Church? Yeah, even wow. the Catholic Church was involved in using them. And also, like, so what happened was the government would seek out the mafia's help to catch certain criminals, and the exchange for that was that the government would let them carry out other organized crimes. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, they so it's just, like, yeah, they look the other way. Ah. Yeah. So that's pretty much how the Italian Mafia started to rise. And then we start to get into how they migrated to America. So the first immigrant to come to the United States from Sicily, who is a part of the Mafia, is Giuseppe Esposito. And he fled to New York after murdering 11 wealthy landowners and the chancellor and vice chancellor of Sicilian province. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my so, God. And he wasn't the only one too. I think there were he had a. I think there were six other Sicilians who were part of the mafia that fled with him. But he's the first one that came to the United States, and he ended up in New Orleans, so Louisiana. And he continued to do his organized crime situation till he was caught by Detective David Hennessy, who actually caught him and killed him what? or deported him actually my notes are unclear what happened but he was <laughs> caught by detective david hennessy um what? and the mafia gangs in new orleans and new york are spreading anyways and so whatever happened to giuseppe whether he was killed or deported or just jailed they started to they wanted to rebel on detective david hennessy so they actually ended up hunting down Detective David Hennessy and killing him. So they, oh my God. yeah, my notes say the gangs murdered Hennessy, who is now the superintendent of the chief of police, on October fifteenth, nineteen eighty-seven. Oh my gosh! So that was their way of. Oh, so this is in the eighties. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, not nineteen eighty-seven. This is wrong. Probably eighteen eighty-seven. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, no, 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 not 1987. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, this is in the 80s of 1800. Okay. So the gangs murdered Detective David Hennessy, and that was their way of getting revenge on him for taking out Giuseppe, who I'm pretty wow. sure was actually a boss of one of the first mafia gangs. No kidding, really? Wait, yeah, one of, yeah, one of the first ones. I mean, there's a lot of small gangs, right? Yeah. So to be like a boss of one is like, they're gotcha. smaller in size. Al Capone, yeah. what we think of today with like Al Capone yeah. is like a huge, like he was, um, we'll get into it later, but he was like the boss of the Chicago outfit, which was like the biggest gang in Chicago. And that's after the gangs start to get unified. But at, during this time, they're all still like kind of small clans. Wow, okay, gotcha. So after they murder Detective David Hennessy, the New Orleans police like step it up. 
So they start arresting a lot of Sicilians, whether or not they are or are not part of the mafia. They just arrest them and have them tried. So 19 Sicilian men got tried, but they all got acquitted for the crimes that were committed. And then during this time, too, because of the mafia, a lot of local citizens started to develop like feelings of anti-Italianism. Italianism. Gotcha. And yeah, yeah. Um, they started to call for more restrictions of Italian immigrants, but an angry mob on March 14th, 1891 formed and they broke into the prison to basically lynch oh the men God. who had been on trial for the murder of Detective Hennessy. And so 11 out of 19 became lynched. And there, a few sources differ, but this has been debated as to one of the largest like public lynchings in American history. Wow. I'm sure there's wow. more, but yeah, 11 out of 19. That's awful. And we, they may or may not have been part of the mafia. Wow, that's, that's awful. That's really sad. Yeah, pretty sad. But then, because of that, the mafia becomes a more discussed dialogue in America. Oh, okay. Yeah. After this, the mafia is still doing their thing for the next 30 to 40 years. And then, when we hit the 1920s, we start to see an increase in immigration and growth in the mafia Italian-American mafia, because mm -hmm. back in Italy, Prime Minister Benito Mussolini launches a crackdown on mobsters. Gotcha. So because of that, Benito Mussolini felt like they were going to affect the fascist regime, so they start to really try to like arrest them and stomp down the mafia. So this is why more mafia members start to immigrate to the United States. So, okay, we have more mafia coming, and the types of crimes that they would commit to make money are still in the realm of traditional crimes. And this is why people say that the American-Italian mafia is different from the Italian mafia because the Italian mafia started for land protections and they basically took advantage of landowners. But the American-Italian mafia made money through more traditional crimes like gambling, prostitution rackets, burglary, and extortion, which is getting money through threats. And there was also a very popular, what's it called? A very popular practice called black hand racket. So I don't know if you remember from like those old movies, they'll get like a cryptic note and it's got like those letters like give us money or we'll like yeah. kill you or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's black hand racketing. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. And they would actually send these to ethnic Italians. Really? With threats of death or violence. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't know why they did it to, like, fellow Italians, <laughs> but... <laughs> wow. Yeah, keeping it in the circle. Yeah, so just, like, random people, they would just send a note, be like, hey, um, give us money or else. Yeah, just random cryptic notes to people oh and God. try to get money from them and that's how they that's made awful. their money so it's so different than like because the the mafia in italy was trying to protect like other italians yeah they started trying to protect yeah other landowners well they protected landowners in exchange for money but then they eventually become more violent yeah. but in america it was very much yeah. doing organized crimes to make gotcha. money the entire time wow uh yeah it wasn't for protection <laughs> so i think I liked looking into their traditional crimes because I think they get very glamorized in the movies of like, oh, the mafia, they're so cool. But this stuff is terrible. Like the prostitution rackets. Think about all those like sex slaves that you read about in less developed countries. And it's terrible conditions. And that's the same situation. Like pimps are not a cool thing. Yeah. And a lot of Italians are running Yeah, back. you don't really see the, that in the movies as much. It's mostly just like... 
oh, I don't know, like, threats. Yeah, extortion. Yeah, like, they seem like they're just going to beat up each other and it's yeah. fighting. But it's it's that and a lot more Jeez. abuse to, like, women as well. Yeah. Made me pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. But anyways, so 1920, we're getting a lot more mafia growth. And another thing that starts in the 1920s is the prohibition. And the prohibition changed the way the mafia ran for forever. This is where the mafia really, really got rich. So within the first three months, a half million dollars in whiskey was stolen from government warehouse. And today that's over $6.4 million in the first three months of prohibition. That's what they sold. So they made lots of money through illegal import, manufacturing, and sale of alcohol. This is called rum running or bootlegging. And they would get away with it just by bribing policemen, judges, juries, witnesses, politicians, etc. And that's basically why the mafia was able to thrive is they made so much money off of prohibition that they could afford to have to pay off politicians and they had a lot of connections with government as well yeah that's another thing that like i think of when i think of the mafia they have all these deals with like local government officials and like law enforcement so a lot of like shady partnerships so (laughs) yeah and before then right the mafia doesn't have that much money you do make a little bit of money from traditional crimes but it's nothing like millions of dollars you get from bootlegging so once they have more money they definitely acquired a lot more power and influence so prohibition's happening and the competition for bootlegging is getting really intense so then we see a rise in turf wars which is just different types of mafia gangs fighting each other for control of the bootlegging industry. In New York City, which I would say from my research, there's two really big hotspots. It's New York and Chicago where the mafia is. (laughs) And in New York City, the two biggest gangs are Joe Masaria's gang and Torre Maranzano. So these are the two big... These these names are going to be the death of me. My grandma would be very, very ashamed. (laughs) So... These two gangs are the main ones in competition. And in February 1930, they have what's called the Castellamarisi, Castellamarisi War. And that lasts from February 1930 to April 1931. Oh. And that's just the gangs fighting each other for control of the rum running bootlegging industry. And... And it finally ends in April 1931 when Masaria is murdered. And then Maranzano, who was the other guy, comes into power. And these turf wars are really violent and it's really just hurting, you know, gang members. It's not very productive. So Maranzano comes up with the idea to unify the mafia gangs of New York and then establish territory. So now each gang can operate in their own territory and not affect each other. Right? So a little bit of collaboration going on. Diplomacy, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, they're they're really good businessmen, actually. If you look at all the things they do, they're definitely... From a business perspective, I was like, this is a good idea. That was a good move. (laughs) Um, Oh, my gosh. Okay, so Maranzano (laughs) unifies the mafia gangs of New York into what's known as the five families. And the five families are Bonanno, Colombo, Gambino, Genovese, and Lucchese. And... I just want to note that these are not actually their family names. The families that ran these gangs, this is like their code name. Because that's I dumb. See. You make yeah, you last name. <laughs> yeah. So here's my that full name. Sense. Why but don't I have my social security things. number just in case? Like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they're operating under pseudonyms. Okay. 
Makes sense. Mm -hmm. So now they're unified. And within six months of the unification of them, Maranzano is the head of the five families. So they all operate under him and they all have to pay him a little bit of money. I don't know why, but they're paying him a little (laughs) bit of money to operate. And Maranzano has a right-hand man named Charles Lucky Luciano. And Lucky Luciano is like... (laughs) evil this guy is so evil no i've heard of this guy yeah he's very very famous he ends up murdering maranzano within six months and he then becomes the head of the five families and actually so charles should i call him like lucky or luciano for this okay so we'll call him lucky for the rest of this but Lucky, basically, he was under Masario, which was the Masaria, who is, like, the one guy, and then Masaria gets murdered, and then he works for Maranzano, and then he murders Maranzano and it assumes the head of the five families. But Lucky actually was the one who also helped murder the first guy that he was working under. Oh. Yeah. So he murdered one of the bosses, then he murdered the second boss that took oh over, gosh. and then now he's the head. Oh my gosh. So he's diabolical. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now he's the boss, and he's doing well, makes a lot of money, driven by power and greed, running New York. And in 1936, Luciano finally gets arrested for operating a prostitution ring, and then he's sentenced to 50 years. He only serves 10 and then gets deported back to Italy. Wow. Yeah. What? So, mm-hmm. And that's the end of basically Luciano's days. I think that he's still operating remotely in Italy, but Yeah, so when he goes when he goes back to Italy. Yeah, I think he he did something remote. I don't even know who took over after him. Cause that would have he would have been done in nineteen thirty six. And the five families are still running today. So I'll get into that at the end, but the mafia still oh exists today. Gosh, they didn't we can't go anywhere. Talk about this. <laughs> Mafia, if you're listening, please don't hurt us. <laughs> please don't attack us. Um, all right, so that's New York. Now we're going to go to Chicago, which is where my Italian family migrated. So at first I thought, oh, maybe my family's a part of the mafia. But actually, <laughs> actually, like after doing research, I was like, I pray that they were not at all involved because this is terrible stuff. And I hope yeah. that they never had to go through this. I hope no one in my family committed these crimes because yeah. it's glamorized in Hollywood but they're actually not good people at all yeah 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 so in Chicago there's also these turf wars rising up fight for territories and there are two gangs that are pretty powerful one's called the outfit and the other one was called the north side gang and in 1929 there is a big event called the St. Valentine's Day Massacre yeah I've heard of this I've heard of this oh nice okay yeah because you're from Chicago so like what have you heard about it Tell me more. Isn't it like at a restaurant or something and then, or like a party or something? It's like a really public gathering and then like one gang infiltrates like the other's territory and like kills a lot of people, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Basically? Uh, okay. So <laughs> it was the outfit, which is uh, actually Al- the gang that Al Capone was a part of, which we'll hear a lot about later, but... That gang dressed up disguised as policemen and they went to the Lincoln Park garage, which is like pretty public area, and just lined up the other gang members and shot them all down. So they murdered a total of seven men from the Northside gang. And the worst part about it is no one was charged. (laughs) What? They completely got away from that. The most like bloody massacre. Oh my gosh. No one got prosecuted. Wow, what the hell? 
it was wild um right so then the outfit the outfit is the one who won that yeah shootout and the outfit is run by Al Capone and John Torrio and they worked together to after that to unify all the gangs in Chicago as well okay and then so eventually John retires to go back to Italy and this is when Al Capone probably one of the most famous uh mafia members takes over so the Chicago outfit is the name of the gang he's running and it is probably the most powerful and well-known gang of Chicago and he basically just does a really good job from a business perspective as well (laughs) (laughs) profiting off of the prohibition and then later the great depression they made profits off of that so during his peak the height of the late 1920s where they're operating they have an estimated revenue of a hundred million. That would be one point four billion in twenty sixteen. So roughly that oh, in today's terms. My and that was all from liquor distribution, speakeasies, beer brewing, gambling, prostitution, and other rackets. It's a lot of money. Billion with a B. So that's insane. It's an insane that's amount of so money. So much that money. Time. What and the heck? Uh, a good thing Al Capone did though during the Great Depression was uh, he opened the first soup kitchen in Chicago. So that got me feeling a bunch of different ways. No kidding. <laughs> Man of the people, also murdered everyone. <laughs> so much confliction. Yeah. But also... <laughs> yeah, I know. And actually, um, I'll get into this again, but Al Capone is kind of a calm guy. Like, he didn't really cause too much trouble in when he was serving his term. He's not a violent guy. Didn't cause... Really? Yeah, I'll talk about this. So... Basically, his first criminal conviction is in May of 1929, and it was in Philadelphia where he was caught carrying a concealed weapon. Oh, it's like, that's it? (laughs) Yeah, that's it. So that's when he gets criminally convicted, and he's convicted for a year. He gets freed in March of 1930, but then a month later, the Chicago Crime Commission released its first ever list of the city's worst criminals, and Capone is named public enemy number one. (gasps) Oh, so the nation is like this guy, not our friend. Everyone look out for him. And I think uh, Herbert Hoover, who, you know, was president during this time, was trying to do a crackdown on the mafia as well. So that's why he publicized that Al Capone was public enemy number one, because he's a very well-known crime boss. Gotcha. Anyways, he's public enemy number one. In 1931, he gets indicated or indicted on charges of tax evasion, which is something... I will probably go to jail for one one day. Like, <laughs> literally, like, I was reading this and I was like, wow, maybe I don't want to be related to Al Capone, but wouldn't be surprised because... <laughs> this whole time you're like, oh, the mafia, they're smart businessmen. Like, I don't disagree. <laughs> they're literally, I was like, this is really... They made $1.4 billion in profit and evaded taxes, which I, I pay my taxes. Just like to clarify, I'm not evading them. But if there's any crime I would do, I'm not going to murder anyone. It's most likely going to be tax evasion, tax evasion for me. Oh, boy. Now the, the IRS is going to keep I know. Time. Like, they're going to audit me and be like, this girl, I file my taxes. Let me just do that. <laughs> Make it clear. Okay. So, yes, he goes to jail for tax evasion. And he's sentenced to 11 years in prison and fined 50000 USD which is only about 700,000 USD in today's terms. But, like, compared to how much money he's been 
profiting. Like. Right. It's a drop in the bucket. It's not anything. So he first serves in Atlanta for two years. And this is why I was like, he's a calm dude. So from what I've read on his time serving in Atlanta, he didn't cause much trouble. Really? He kind of just served his term very quietly um, until he was sent to Alcatraz in 1934. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, Alcatraz. Dun, dun, dun. And they said, too, that since he didn't cause any trouble, they think sending him to Alcatraz was more of a publicity stunt. Yeah. The worst people get sent to Alcatraz. Right. And like Al Capone's <laughs> at Alcatraz. But he's a calm dude. And uh, so he's in Alcatraz from 1934 until 1939 where he's released. So he only served about four and a half years in Alcatraz in addition to like his two years in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So he didn't serve the full 11 years. And he was released because he was suffering from syphilis. So he was oh. in really bad shape. Yeah, mentally, physically not doing well. Yikes. Yeah, and he ends up going to a house that he bought in Florida and kind of just playing cards till oh. the end of his days uh, when he finally dies from a heart attack in 1947 and has been buried in Chicago. Wow. Is it like a marked grave, I wonder? It should be. Yeah. It should be like a fame. I'm surprised you haven't heard of it. I was going to say, I guess, like, maybe people would know about it. I feel like I should know this, where it's at. I'm going <laughs> to It's probably check close it by cemetery. But yeah. yeah. And by the time he died, he would have amassed a net worth of $100 million, which is $18.6 billion in today's Oh, my gosh. Right. So they I are. I can't comprehend that much money. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, Lord, if I can make a billion dollars in my lifetime, <laughs> I feel really accomplished. Well, Al Capone laid out the way, so. <laughs> I know, I'm very, very torn because I'm like, Al Capone, not a good guy. But then again, I admire the soup kitchen, yeah. I admire the business, tax evasion. Yeah. I have to say, I don't admire. <laughs> I'm impressed with it. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it's a black and white situation. It's true. It's but true. it is illegal. That's for sure. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Pay your taxes. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to go into how they got rich after the prohibition because it kind of gets interesting on their interest rates. But after the prohibition, they continue doing sales of other illegal drugs because things like cocaine are still illegal, heroin. I don't know if they sold heroin, but... They're selling other illegal drugs. They do a lot of gambling. Later on, they will open up a lot of casinos. This is like later generations of the mafia have done this, and they operate casinos. They still do prostitution rings. And then during the Great Depression, they were huge on loan sharking because they had so much money. So what they would do is a lot of people and businesses couldn't get loans, so they would take the money that they got from bootlegging and start lending that out at really high interest rates and the rates were about 20% plus but get this that interest rate that the mafia was charging that is the interest rate on my credit card right now 20% (laughs) plus yeah and it's very similar to what credit card charges credit card companies will charge overspenders with bad credit and I'm not I don't overspend and I don't have bad credit I think they just update because I'm always on time so it's like if I mess up they can profit but Credit card companies and the mafia, very similar. The modern, <laughs> modern day. Literally, modern day mafia. Modern day loan sharks. Yeah. <laughs> that could be what they're doing today is they're just operating credit card <laughs> places. Don't expose them. I'm like, don't. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. 
Um, so basically, pay off your credit cards. Yeah. Is what I'm moral saying. of the story. And uh, if you didn't pay off your credit cards or your loans from the mafia, they would inflict harm on you. And then they would also take a percentage chunk of your business, which is another good business move to take a chunk of someone's business. <laughs> But no, I yeah, I feel like I hear like, oh, that business is run by the mafia and they control. The, yeah, they just whole, they like... acquire partial bits of other businesses. And I do have an interesting fact that eventually, I don't think this was in the 30s. I think it was in the 50s. But eventually the five families in New York became so powerful that government officials couldn't build or do any construction without consulting the mafia first. Because if it would affect their businesses or something, you'd have trouble. So that's how much power they had. And then they also may or may not have kidnapped Charles Lindenberg's infant son for $50,000. Yeah, there's so much like conspiracy theories. Could have been them. I feel like that's 100% likely. Very unfortunate. If you're not familiar with that story, Charles Lindenberg's infant son gets kidnapped and he pays the ransom for $50,000, but then later they find his infant son is dead. Yeah. It was really sad. It was a really sad story. There's a lot of different theories about that one. Man, that, that's a wild one. Might not have been the mafia. If it wasn't the mafia, I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs> delivering news. It, yeah. <laughs> All right. And so today, like I said, the mafia is still in operation. They're estimated that in 2002, the mafia made at least $50 billion a year. Oh, so, my gosh. In 2020, 18 years later, who knows how much they're making. Oh uh, there's still gosh. about 3,000 members left, mostly in Chicago, Philadelphia, and New York City. No. You probably passed a mafia member. Oh, my gosh. If you're listening, I'm a friend. <laughs> friend, not foe. Friend, not foe. <laughs> uh, yeah. Today, they also, again, another good business tactic. They outsource a lot of their work, which is great. Like, you're trying to start a business outsourcing your work is like (laughs) you're really running efficiently so they'll do it they'll outsource to biker gangs and other organized crimes i didn't realize biker gangs were organized crimes i thought they were just people that liked to ride bikes together well i think there's like varying like intensities i think there are definitely like biker like gangs where they're like they do a lot of illegal stuff (laughs) but then i think they're all are just guys who like to ride their motorcycles together so if you see like people on the highway like don't automatically assume (laughs) don't call the police but lots of discoveries as to the the organized crime world they did not know existed anyways yeah and the only thing that kind of unifies the mafias uh is this thing called the omerta oath okay and that is basically an oath that's like if someone asks you questions don't talk if they ask you questions and you know something, don't talk. If they ask questions and you don't know something, don't yeah, talk. Yeah, don't say anything. Just always don't open your mouth. And that's yeah. the oath that mafia members take. And so the commission, which is in... Right, okay. The commission is the New York... So when, right, when I talked about Lucky Luciano, yeah. who is the head of the five families, that ended up being called the commission. So the commission, which is that New York uh, the collection fam- of yeah, okay. families... Yeah, that's still reported to exist. And its current membership, though, is only compromised of the five families and the Chicago outfit. So Okay. Wow. And I'm certain, too, that they are profiting off of COVID-19 stuff <gasps> at the moment. Oh, my gosh. They have, like, a face mask ring. Right? When everyone's <laughs> buying up face masks and, like, price gouging, I was like, who would do this? Yeah. And now I'm like, ah, oh, the, the mafia would probably 
be into that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's crazy though, because I guess I assumed like, okay, maybe there's a like smaller mafia today, but you said in 2002 they were making like billions of dollars. So like, I guess I didn't realize that the mafia is still making so much money and is still like so powerful today, because you don't really hear about it. I feel like now there are just so many like... (laughs) There's a lot of other stuff that we have to worry about. And so maybe because of that. Definitely, yeah. And the thing is too, right? I talked about how they started operating casinos and casinos make a lot of money Yeah. in Vegas. And, you know, if they're still existing today and evading taxes mm. or anything. So with all that money they made in the prohibition, I'm sure they're using that to continue. Yeah. I wonder why we don't talk about it as much anymore though. You know? It's a hush-hush thing. We also glamorize it too much in Hollywood. This is yeah. actually, this is crime. This is not good. Yeah. You're taking advantage of, like, helpless people, and we That's make it true. seem really cool, but it's not. Yeah, it's not cool. Guys, don't don't join the mafia. <laughs> don't be a part of it. <laughs> That's our official stance. It's not good. <laughs> But yeah, that's the mafia in a wow, nutshell. Oh, that's so interesting. Great job. Thank you for sharing that. that was no like, problem. Pay your taxes. Yeah, pay your taxes. Pay off your credit card. Don't join the mafia. Thanks for listening. <laughs> this has been an episode of How Did We Not Know That? If you liked it, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also follow us on all social media, including YouTube, at How Did We Not Know That? If you thought our podcast was low quality, we know. We thought so too. Help us improve the podcast by contributing to our Patreon. Thank you for listening and see you guys next week.